is communication. Only one person's doing all the talking. Is that communicating? No. It's just listening. We have lost the art of listening. People no longer listen to understand, but they listen to respond. They listen to give a, re a rebuke, a rebuttal. That they are no longer, I was having a conversation with someone just a couple of weeks ago and uh, uh, it was an intense conversation, not like confrontational, it was heavy. It was a heavy conversation and uh, this other person, I was saying something and uh, he kept interrupting me and he said, no, that's not the case. I said, if you will let me finish, I promise you it'll be the case. And so... I mean, I had to say that about four times before I ever got my point out. And then he came back with something that was so off the wall that I just looked at him and I said, Sir, you're much more intelligent than that statement you just said. It was the dumbest thing I ever heard. Because it didn't even correlate to what I was saying. There was no connectivity. Because he already knew better. And this wasn't about somebody being right or wrong. This was about trying to understand something. And uh, you say, well, preacher, you can get in some conversation. Yeah, you just don't know. But the dynamic is this. Prayer is communication. So if prayer is communicating, which is back and forth conversation, then how much of your prayer is listening and how much of it is you just talking? I mean, right now, just right there in your Bible uh, or on your somewhere just or just mentally. I'd like for you to type it in your notes or something on your smart device or if you want to turn to Matthew 6, you can write it in the margin because I, I would like for you to see this number. And that number is this. If you had three seconds to give me an answer, one, two, three. And the question was this. What percentage of your prayer is you talking and what percentage is you listening? And I'll shout it out, but right there in your Bible or on your smart device, just write that number down. One, two, three. How much time do you spend listening? Last week we touched on it. I'm not going to preach on it tonight, but I want to just go there so that you can understand why I'm saying what I'm saying and where we're headed. But faith comes by hearing. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed to say to that mountain to be picked up and thrown into the sea and believe it in your heart without doubting, without wavering between two opinions, without being at odds with oneself, if that kind of faith moves mountains, then where do we get that kind of faith from? Because over and over the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. It says that anything not of faith is sin. Now, in the church, we like to roll up and stand on our soapboxes and preach against big sins that we think is big in the eye of humanity. Preachers, they want to just berate people on their soapboxes, and they'll do anything to get a cheap amen. But if it says in the Bible that anything not of faith is sin then there's three interesting correlations here. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anything not of faith is sin. And number three, if we have faith, 
as the small as a grain of mustard seed. Now, if I dropped a mustard seed on this stage, you would have a hard time finding it. I'm talking about on the wood floor, not the carpet. It's that small. And you would believe it in your heart. Faith that would believe in your heart that God, believe what? That God is who he says he is. We don't believe God's who he says he is. Because we have this miniature version of God in our mind. That we don't think God is as big as he is. We don't think that he's as large as he is. That he is supreme as he is. That, that he is so majestic. That he is so glorious. That he is so, uh, just the splendor of his majesty is so overwhelming. That God is so big that he holds this whole universe in the palm of his hand. Not just planet earth. Think about this. I was reading this week that, um, reading an article about traveling by breaking the sound barrier. They just celebrated the guy who broke the sound barrier. And there was a few flights. There was international flights that they would, the, the con cards that would break the sound barrier. But there's a, NASA is working on a new dynamic to be able to fly over land and break the sound barrier because there's this big boom when you break the sound barrier that you can basically go from coast to coast in like an hour on an airplane. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. We're talking about getting in an airplane, flying over 600 miles an hour, breaking the sound barrier, and still taking hours to get to London or England. That's a long ways, but it's not too far of a span for my God to hold it in the palm of his hand. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? What God? If we believe in our heart that God is who he says he is. Not some little demigod that fits into your religious mold. Not that fits into your church structure. A God that holds this whole thing into the palm of his hand. I'm telling you today that NASA has not even found all the galaxies that God has established. He holds that in his hand. And he says, if you believe that I am who I say I am. And can believe in your heart without doubting. That I could, then you could say to that mountain, if you could muster up enough faith to be the size of a mustard seed, if I held it in my hand, you could not see it. That little bit is mountain moving faith if we don't doubt. And so then his disciples come to him and say, okay, then teach us how to have that kind of faith. So, Faith, that kind of faith, faith that moves mountains, faith that the absence of is sin. And without the mountain moving kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. So, okay, I, I think God's really trying to tell us something. How about you? So he says, here's how you gain faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. Matter of fact, there's this, this company called Faith Comes by Hearing. Uh, back when I started in the ministry, uh, it, it was a big deal. Uh, we, we went through a campaign. Uh, it was an audio. Listen, you could, didn't have it on your smart device. You had to order a CD or order a cassette, 
and uh, you, you would listen to it. And we tried to get every home to listen to the Bible. Uh, I thought about this the other day. Faith comes by hearing, call me. And they wanted to know if I would help them with another initiative, which is trying to get a little miniature iPod uh, type deal to the soldiers, to our soldiers in the military. And I thought, well, I mean, the relevancy of that is that what they did before, just with technology, is gone. But the dynamic is what they're telling you is faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. But if you look that word up in the Greek, we talked about this. There's two words for for faith, for the word in the Bible. One was logos, which is the written word of God, which was not even finished being written yet. And when Paul was addressing the book of, to the church at Rome. And the other one is rhema. And what we need, what you're getting in your prayer time is not the logos. The logos is settled. I mean, it is done. I mean, the Bible says that there will be nothing added to this or nothing should be taken away from this. It is settled. It's the settled word of God. Every jot, every tittle will be fulfilled. The world will pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Grass withers. Flowers fade away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so what we are, what the disciples are saying is, we hear you hearing from the Father in heaven. We need to know how to do that. And I believe that's a relevant dynamic today. I believe that we have mastered the art of talking, but we have lost the art of listening, not just in our prayer time, but in society in general. So let me read you this. So... Here's what it says in Matthew 6 and 5. Whenever you pray, you must not pray like a hypocrite that goes around and is known for their lofty words. I assure you that's their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And when you pray, don't babble like idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows The things that you need before you ask. Now, could you underline that in your Bible? The Father already knows before you ask. Somebody needs that tonight. Somebody came here tonight for nothing more than that one statement. The Father already knows what you need before you ask. When you think about this, we don't know that. I asked somebody just before service, I've been praying for them. I said, I need to know how to pray specifically. I don't know what I'm praying for. But God does. God does. But sometimes, like our Heavenly Father, He just wants to hear us ask. He wants us to ask Him for it. Now, here's what He says. Here's what prayer is not. Prayer is not rambling. Prayer is not boasting. Prayer, don't do your private praying in public. I knew this missionary one time. Somebody asked him to pray for the meal. And uh, everybody bowed their head. They bowed their head for this missionary to pray. And he said, with their heads bowed, he said, thank you, Lord. And there was this long ministerial pause. You you know, a lot of preachers use them. I'm not very good at them. Long ministerial pause, and and all of a sudden, the sound of a fork and knife rubbing against each other. And everybody looked up, and that dude was eating. They said, I thought you was going to bless the food. I did. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He said, I already have done my private praying. I'm just thanking him for the food. (laughs) Now, in this dynamic, the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how 
to hear from God. I believe that's the correct translation here. They knew what prayer was. They seen it in the synagogue. They had seen it at the wailing wall. They knew about writing something down and sticking it in the wall. They knew, matter of fact, there's, there's a parable in the Bible about it. They would go to the wailing wall and they would stand there and they'd beat their chest and they would cry out to God. I believe what the disciples are saying is, Lord, teach us how to hear from the Father. And here's what he says. I'm going to read this for you and we'll make a few notes and we can go home. So it says, therefore, you should not pray like them, but pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, your name is so honored and so holy. I love what the King James says, so hallowed. It's a poetic translation of that. So honored and holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive people the wrongdoings, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know most of you think the Sermon on the Mount is reduced to the Beatitudes. But the Sermon on the Mount went all the way through chapter 7. There was no break here. And you got to remember that man, we put the chapters and stuff in there for readability later on in life. But in the original language, the Sermon on the Mount was transcribed here. And it was laid out this way. And the disciples come to him and say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, well, one thing you need to know about praying is this. This is what it's not. Now, last week we looked at it in the book of Luke. And Luke's an interesting guy because he was a physician. And a lot of times he leaves out a lot of detail that I find intriguing that he left out being a physician. We were, telling, we were, we were talking about stories this week after the staff meeting. And uh, I think somebody said, well, I know those stories are true because your stories that you're telling us, Pastor Brad, your daddy has told us some of the same stories. He said, but they're different. And I said, well, it's just like the Bible. Every disciple gave his account of what was happening there. And Luke gave one account. And, and here Matthew's given another account. And, and, and Luke says, Lord, teach us how to hear from you. And then here Jesus says, okay, if I'm going to teach you how to hear from you, then I'm going to put this in my sermon. And I, it's going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what you don't do. Don't let your prayer life be something you boast about. Now, in this other dynamic, it's an interesting thing. Uh, he, he goes on, and, and, and you know, I, mean, I could preach weeks, months on the Lord's Prayer. And we recite the Lord's Prayer, and I'm not making small talk of that. But we're talking about what the disciples said is, give us some points. Teach us here how to hear from God. What should it look like? Now, it, we have morphed this into a prayer that we think is this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. What he was telling them is, here's what you need to look for. Here's the guidelines of what you should pray for. We know that he's not telling them this is the prayer you should pray every day. Because when you go back a few verses, he says, avoid repetitious prayers that are just idle babbling that become something of intellectual capacity and nothing from the heart. Let me give you an example. 
in churches, we become pretty cut and dry. You know, and especially in traditional church, they, they know how to pray and when to pray and, and, and all flows. And, and uh, I remember as a, a younger person, I was in this church and uh, this, these brothers sat next to each other. They were on the second row. They sat pretty close. And uh, one of them would always fall asleep during the sermon. And uh, uh, one day there was this long ministerial pause where it got quiet for a while. And the one brother nudged the other one and said, he, he called on you to pray. And so this brother jumps up in the middle of the sermon and starts praying. Without even missing a beat, just jumped up, started repetitiously reciting something that just came from an intellectual capacity. But God said, I don't want to know what's in your mind. I don't want to talk to you for what you know. I want to communicate with you for who you are. So when you pray, pray this. I want you to just jot these couple of things down. So here's what he is saying. Prayer must be bathed in adoration to adorn God with all the trimmings of every adjective that you can find to admire him for who he is, for his holy attributes. That's what he's saying. Our Father who art in heaven, you are so holy. You are so powerful. You are so honored. You are so hallowed. Now, there's a lot of things that we think about God's name, but uh, being hallowed and holy isn't one of them. Seems like his name's used in many other formats or contexts than, than hallowed and holy today. It's interesting. You want to you you mess somebody up? I'll give you a secret. Next time they're saying something, they're having a conversation, they just bring God's name in vain. You know, just bring God into the equation. Just look at them and say, well, what's he got to do with this? Because most of the time, it's something they're venting about. They're angry about something. And they bring God's name into the middle of it. Just say something like, well, what's he got to do with it? Boy, it was, it was so awesome. Anyway, it's just kind of funny. Takes a lot of tension out of the room. He's a jealous God. There's two tablets in the Old Testament. One of them tells me, I am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me. When you come to me, I want you to love me not for what I can do for you, but for just who I am. Isn't it great when your relationships uh, get to the point where you, uh, you have a relationship with somebody and it's not for what you can do for them, but just for who you are? And that's what God's saying here. You want to increase your prayer life? You want to, you want to hear from God more? You want to take down the, 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 your, your prayer life in a whole new direction? Spend time bathing your prayer in adoration. Set your timer for one minute. Try to figure out how many adjectives can I use to describe God. Wow. The second thing is this. Not only must prayer be bathed in adoration, but it must be rooted in pure motives. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and we'll talk about it again in the morning, that that passage of Scripture, believe in your heart, whatever you ask for in my name, in John 14, is not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it Scripture, but it is 
a get a hold of the heart of God, declare with a proclamation what he is saying, what he is doing, trust him for who he is. And in this dynamic, test your motives. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. I know this person, uh, I uh, was having a conversation and uh, it was it was mixed company. And this one guy said, well, God just hadn't called me to pastor a mega church. If you ask me for the definition of faithful presence, I would describe this pastor in our area. One of the most faithful men that has credibility all around this city that is unbelievable. But he is faithful and what he is saying is, I just want to be known for being faithful if God wants, he said, I'm not that great of a leader. If God wants me to have more than a couple of hundred, that's fine. And somebody else in that meeting said, well, send them to me. I'll take all the rest of them. I want to have a mega church. I want to have a mega church. I want to have a mega church. I was saying, well, what do you want to have a mega church for? To say you have a mega church? Because our city's in a mega mess. And mega churches aren't changing the mega mess. Because we become so enthroned with the praises of humanity that we have turned this around to say, Lord, our kingdom come, our will be done. Here's what he says. He says, when you pray, pray this way in pure motives. Lord, just whatever you want, that's what I want, God. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pray specifically for this. Praying specifically is very important. I remember when I was at my last church, I... We were strategically placed right in the middle of everything. But it, on the surface, it looked like we were in the middle of nowhere. And there, it would be no day, it was no unusual task that on any day I would have somebody in the hospital in Shreveport, Winfield, Natchitoches, and Alec. We were strategically placed within comfortable driving distances about the same to all of them. They were pastor's worst nightmare. Funerals in Alec, funerals in Natchitoches, funerals in Winfield, just, just living on a swivel. And, 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 and it would extend further than that. Their family went further. And, and I, I started praying. I said, Lord, uh, uh, Lord I, I, need you to, I need you to give me somebody in my ministry with an airplane. And, and the Lord did. He ended up sending me somebody with an airplane. But the only problem was we were too broke to fly. He had a license and neither one of us had enough money to rent an airplane. Much less buy the fuel. So then I started praying differently. I said, well, Lord, I need you to send me somebody not just with an airplane or not just a pilot because that's what I prayed for. You need to send me a pilot. I said, Lord, you need to send me a pilot with a plane that's not too broke to fly. And you know the Lord answered that prayer. He sent me a pilot with a plane, and that guy flew us around. We've done quite a bit of stuff in ministry through his plane. But the only problem was I didn't pray specifically. Several times we wanted him to take us somewhere or connect with him to take parts of a team on mission trips to fly out of Houston or Jackson or somewhere like that to get a lot cheaper rate. But the only problem was I didn't pray specifically because he had a little bitty plane. And he couldn't haul but about two grown men. I mean, he had seating for four, but there's a certain thing called weight capacity that's very crucial in the flying world. God wants you to pray specifically, not selfishly. It's like, Lord, don't give me an airplane so I can say I have an airplane. Lord, I, Lord, I need this for your ministry, but you need to pray specifically because sometimes I think God's got a great sense of humor. 
Can you imagine the laughs he got out of that when he finally answered my prayer and sent me a pilot and we were too broke to fly? Lord, what are you saying here? What are the motives? Unholy motives. Unholy motives. Impure motives. That is for kingdom building unto themselves. Not for his kingdom to come. Not for his will to be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Here's the easy way to pray. God, whatever you want in heaven, make that be manifested on earth today. And whatever God is speaking to your heart, here's how you get wisdom and, and understanding. Is that you go to him in prayer and you say, God, here's what I believe you're saying. And this is what I'm going to walk out in faith. That you're going to move this mountain. And if that's not what you want, God, then it's your responsibility to stop it. It's just my responsibility to confess my heart, to confess my motives, to test my motives to make sure they're pure, to make sure they're holy, to make sure they're right. So when you pray, when you pray, examine your motives. God, why did I just pray that? Many times in my life, that's all I know to do. I believe that's the epitome of getting the, the, the dynamic, the center of getting wisdom. As I talked a couple of weeks ago, God just doesn't impart wisdom on you and you feel all of a sudden your intellectual capacity rise and your IQ level go up 10 points. If you go over to James and you look at that, it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and if he believes in his heart without doubting there's that word again to not doubt to come to God and say Lord I'm a mess God I don't know what to do about this all I know to do God is to here's what I believe you're saying Lord I've Lord you're holy you're awesome you're righteous Lord I've laid these this prayer request on the altar God it's not a selfish request it's not for my kingdom building but Lord it's for your kingdom it's for your will to be done in my kids life in my business Lord why are we asking for all this Blessings. Why? What is the motive? You'd be, you would be amazed at how quick, how much our prayer list would trim down if we would just test the motives. You ever heard, I mean, some of the things I look back on my life the most, I think, God, thank you for not answering those prayers. And at the moment when he didn't answer it, I was so heartbroken, I thought, he don't love me. He don't love me and he don't care for me. Lord, I could spend the rest of the night till midnight talking about times that God navigated me through other canals and other back roads and other channels to get me to where he wanted me to be. What, what are we praying? What are, what are we seeking God for? <clears throat> Ten years ago when I was 34, <clears throat> I was half the size of the man I am now, and uh, it was the first time Matt and I ever did anything really together. Uh, if you think he looks young now, you should have seen him 10 years ago. And uh, we, we held a revival <clears throat> up around Jonesboro, and Matt did the music, and I did the preaching. And uh, it was a tremendous week. <clears throat> and when we left there that week, that church was on the verge of exploding with growth. I'm telling you, it was right for the growth. One other time that year that happened, I was at a church around Shreveport, and it was just right on the verge of growth. <clears throat> and I had the opportunity to do something that was unusual. I was called back the next year to both of those churches 
to preach again. I thought, man, I was excited. I thought, man, when I get here, this thing's going to be, I mean, it's going to be right. You know, Matt, when I went back to that church the next year, half the people were gone. And I was so devastated. I thought, man, what's happening? Last year, they were poised for exponential growth, was talking about building buildings, and now half of the church is gone. And it's this right here, impure motives. Man's will, not God's will. When we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done in my church. Lord, let your will be done in my life. Lord, the way you do business in heaven, could you do that kind of business in my life? And not to pray that repetitiously, but to put feet on that and say, Lord, okay, God, I'm asking you to give me this new business venture. Or Lord, 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 what are my motives for praying for this new addition? And, and, and Lord God, let us seek you. Churches are at odds with one another all around our nation, and they are at war with one another, and they are, are dividing, and we are shooting ourselves. We are killing our own soldiers, and the world is going to hell because of impure motives. That's why churches are regressing. Lord, what do I want? Lord, we go to God with a shopping list. One of my love languages is, uh, is, is uh, gift giving. Uh, either receiving or giving. It just speaks love to me. And Man, uh, I mean, ask me something I want. I can rattle off how much time you got. But that's how we go to God a lot of times. Lord, here's my shopping list. And if we could just get him down to the like the Amazon Prime button where we can just push it and let him be the bellhop and deliver those answered prayers into our life without much communication. Did you know it takes time to communicate? That's why texting is so, so uh, popular today. It is. I mean, if you called to ask somebody, hey, are you going to meet me at 12 o'clock back in the old days? You wouldn't just pick up the phone and say, hey, are you going to be there at 12 o'clock? Okay, bye. You would answer the phone and say, hey, man, how's it going? What you up to? You'd walk through some conversation. Well, if we could just get God down to that button. You say, oh, preacher, you're nuts. Well, we already treat him that way. Lord, let me ring that golden bell and let you usher in what you're wanting. What are my motives? Lord, what, am, Lord, what are you doing? What, Lord God, what are you saying in my life? To go to him in prayer and say, Lord, this is what I want. But Lord, could you test my motives? Lord, could you test the spirit? From not without, but God, could you test the spirit from within? You know, the Bible says to test the spirits. Test the spirits. But I bet you never thought about testing my own spirit. My heart's wicked. My heart will lead me astray. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. And no man can know it. And that translates trust it. Here, here's the thing today that's so popular. I talked to a, a, a girl that was in my youth group years ago. Just a tremendous girl. And. She's walked away, and, and the mom called me and left her whole family. 
And here's what, here's what she told the mom. And I, I, I could recite to her what the mom was going to say before the mom ever said it. She said, she, the, the daughter told the mom, Mom, don't, don't you just want me to be happy? Don't, don't you just want me to be loved? Don't you just want my heart to be happy? The heart is desperately wicked. I mean, honestly, if we were hooked up to a, a, a way that it could translate our heart on these big screens up here, would you really want it to be up there? Have your name across the top of it? Not the things you say, but the things that are in your heart. Yeah, you ever something ever come out of your mouth and you're like, where'd that come from? The Bible says, out of the heart, confession is made. When someone shocks you by what they say, they never shock me by what they say. I'm always shocked by that was in their heart. Are you willing to lay that before God and say, Lord, what I want today more than anything is for you to sit on the throne. Now, let me just lean in here for a moment. And I, apparently, I've got more here than I can preach tonight. But that's what, let me translate that for you. Let me translate this second point. Lord, here's the throne. Lord, it's your kingdom. Lord, my life is your life. And God, today, I want you to sit on the throne of my life. Because you are a king. And you have a kingdom. And I want, Lord, I don't want you to take over the territories of my life in a hostile takeover. But I want to surrender and let you be my conquering hero. And I want to walk in the wake of your victory. Here, Lord. Lord, it's your kingdom. I'm just one of your citizens reporting for duty. Translate that. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, where do, you, where do you want me to go? Lord, who do you want me to speak to? You say, preacher, he wants us to do all that. Well, I mean, if he knows all things, and if he's already in your tomorrow, don't you think he has lordship over today? Let's wrap this up with this. Lord, may my prayer be bathed in adoration to you, telling you how awesome you are. And then, Lord, may my prayer be tested May the motives of my prayer be tested, tested on the backdrop of your holiness. Can I ask you a question? You write this down. Would you write this number down next to that other one? What percentage of your prayer do you paint asking him to examine it on the backdrop of his authority? Lord, teach us to pray. God, teach us how to hear from you. That's what the disciple said. And Jesus said, well, I can tell you, here's how you do not hear from God. By a lot of loud, repetitious ramblings. But by getting still and communicating with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And asking him. Asking him to examine the content of your prayers. Saying, God. I want your kingdom. You, you ever wonder, you ever wonder why our world is running headlong in the opposite direction of God? You ever wonder that? 
I'll tell you the reason the answer is this. Because we as the bride of Christ is not rising up and going throughout the day and saying, Lord, could you just, could you just be the king in my life today? Could you just rule and reign and make decrees on my behalf? Lord, could you go before me and speak on my behalf to Satan so that I can resist the devil and flee from him? Lord, Lord, could you do that? Lord, could you do that, Lord? And when you do that, you're saying, Lord, you're the king. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life the same way you want it to be done in heaven. Father, Speak to us. Lord, I believe we're struggling and we're wrestling with some things that, uh, Lord, this is deep matter here. Lord, it's, Lord it's, I examine my own prayer life and, and against this backdrop. Lord, I realize that it is inadequate. I realize that my prayers so many times are selfish. I realize that my prayer so many times is nothing more than making a shopping list. Topped off with the cherry of, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Because intellectually, I feel like an intellectual response, an intellectual confession to sins will cause you to usher in the glory of my answered prayers. God, may this communication with you become a whole lot more than intellectual that it may come from the bottom of our heart that we have a relationship with you in Jesus name